All right. We're live. What's up, Morgan? Nice to be here. Thank you for having <laughs> me again, Roy. Glad to have you on, guys. You're listening to the Balance Mail podcast. And tonight is all about music. Thank goodness. We finally get to a subject that I can <laughs> put a little value into. Hopefully. I don't know, Roy. We'll I'm see. Like, I feel so... Um, like planning for this has felt like so exciting because we're just talking about like the whole theme. We're just talking about bands and concerts and music and it's just so much fun. Felt light. So I'm looking forward to this. I don't even know why, like how did we get to where we want to do this? You know, when I met you in the park several years ago, I think yeah, in we the park, we kept yeah. running into each other and you were a guy with some tattoos and, and I, looked at those as sort of band type tattoos and I felt like you were a guy they weren't band tattoos but no. I was like this is a guy that knows music I think uh -huh. and uh I felt like I had met you or seen you at some point it's probably in the pit at a at a show of some kind throughout the years although you've only been here for what I've been here for over a decade all right but so more than likely if you'd gone to any punk rock any kind of like show at the Norva or at not Shakey's Shaka's, Shaka's here, then you probably saw me there. And that's, that's probably mm -hmm. what happened. And then we, you know, I bumped into you the night of that, uh, show authority zero, authority zero, mm -hmm. which is why you were there. I was there for, um, unwritten law, unwritten law, which by the way, unwritten law, if you're listening, it was not a great show, but Hey, it was fun. oh god it was n it he had just gotten arrested yeah. in florida a week or two before we didn't even know if he's gonna show up so it was a weird vibe to go from authority zero to unwritten law like unwritten law is aggressive but not authority zero aggressive authority zero is almost like pennywise kind of aggressive yeah and when then, well pennywise that's a great band to start with. Yeah, Pennywise. Uh -huh. um, when I told some friends of mine that we were, I was going to come have a conversation with you about you know the music that made us, and they, uh -huh. the first band they said, "Well, you got to talk about Pennywise." Yeah, is that a band that made you? Uh, it was a band, absolutely. I think that was one of the first real punk bands that I, you know, bought the uh, cassette tape yeah. for back in the day. Um, you know, Un Unknown Road, I think was the name of their album that I was listening to. Well, wow. I I only heard Pennywise on. Before we say that, so yes, this episode is about the music that made us. So we're going to talk about bands that we love, music that we love, concerts that we've gone to, other types of things. We'll probably talk. It's probably going to sound like a bunch of old dudes talking about the good old days, but we're just. I'm just going to like. I hope lean, it is. I'm going to lean into it. <laughs> so yeah, Pennywise. I had them on a bunch of compilation cds like i got them i got the uh, first time i heard pennywise was on a music for our mother ocean uh compilation it was like surf rider they put this out back in like 96 97 and it was like pennywise was on it no doubt sublime uh, so this was like a mixtape yeah and it was all the money would go to like the surf rider foundation yeah and so they did a they did a Beach Boys cover. Okay. And that's how I heard Pennywise. No kidding. But I never really got I never got super into them. Um 
but I still respect the hell out of them. They're a band that's sort of stood the test of time. They're up there, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I wouldn't hold them in the same regard as uh-huh. like a, um, you know, if you look at Social Distortion mm-hmm. or you look at um, um, guys like that that were around early '80s that actually put out good music. Yeah. in the future mm-hmm. years because mm-hmm. I would say to this day I mean Social Distortion is probably one of my favorite bands Bad Religion is mm-hmm. another one I throw in that mix probably one of my favorite bands of all time as a young kid in high school um, growing up listening to that stuff like it's timeless to me frankly. Yeah. I mean and, mm-hmm. and maybe our fathers would say the same about stuff that came out in the 60s and 70s but isn't it weird to think that we're using Pennywise's timeless and our fathers <laughs> would have <laughs> I don't know like, if I throw Pennywise right in there, but nah. I would say that Bad Religion and Social D are uh-huh. probably like the core of what I started listening to and evolved from yeah. in terms of like mm-hmm. you know rock music. Yeah, I kind of <clears throat> stayed clear of Pennywise for a while, mainly because of the fans. It felt very broish to go to a, like listen to Pennywise. Like the guys that I saw that listened to it kind of turned me off of Pennywise for a while, but then I was able to like listen to them like on my own, and I was like, I mean, yeah, this is pretty, this is pretty rad. Oh, I could get into this. And then you like, I love when a band is still a band twenty years later. Like the guys are still in it, you know. Like, and most of the guy, I think it's all the same guys. Yeah, I, don't, I can't. I can't confirm that. But yeah, I mean, the, the guys like that. I mean, they're they're still touring. I think they're doing a tour this year. They're coming. They're coming here with uh, Dropkick Murphys this summer. Is it? No, or? in March. March. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out because yeah. the first show I saw of them, you weren't here at that time in Virginia Beach, but there was a place called the Boathouse. Yeah, that you oh. may have heard of over there. God, you are the 5,000th person that's told me that I should have been to a show at the Boathouse. The Boathouse went out of business probably early 2000s, uh-huh. maybe 2000. And yep. I saw Pennywise in 1999, I think, there with a mm-hmm. bunch of friends. We parked under the uh, the bridge there in downtown Norfolk, you know, popped some 40s, yep. drank some 40s. We were wearing our high-top vans, yep. you know, old schools, rolled in, and that was one of the most epic shows that i had been to at that point as like a 17 18 year old kid and it's probably <clears throat> it was chaos incarnate right when i mean they it was started absolute dishevelry in, inside of those walls and you know that the boathouse was a place where when i was growing up kids would get dropped off at the mm-hmm. boathouse yeah and the parents i'm thinking back like they didn't know what was going on but everything bad that could have been going on was going on yeah at the boathouse at the boathouse and, uh-huh. you know, these rock bands that were coming through there, like Ugly Kid Joe. Uh-huh. Did you ever hear them? Yep. They played there when I was in middle school. And a buddy of mine, his dad was like the guy at the boathouse. Uh-huh. Got us in there at like eight, you know, eighth, sixth, seventh, seventh grade, maybe. Yeah. That's no place a 13 year old kid should have been. No, it is the place a 13 year old kid should have been. <laughs> but looking back, I was like, I saw some shit that, you know, frankly, I was like, this is what rock and roll music was to me back yeah. then. So I think I want to start at venues because um, there is something sacred about a music venue like 
the boathouse when you think about it. Like you think about how people talk about the boathouse and how people talk about music venues. And it is so awesome. Like for me, like music was music was what I wanted what I thought God should be and church and con- concerts were what I thought church should have been. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. You've like said that. yeah, you go to a concert you're welcomed with open arms. Everyone around you doesn't care who you are for the most part. You're all here to just celebrate this one thing. And you engage with each other. And it's fun. And for me, it was healing in a lot of ways to go to a concert. But like I felt that because I just went to, uh, we were just in Colorado. And I went to Red Rocks. We got to tour that amphitheater. We didn't get a chance. To, I was going to ask you about that. Oh, my God. So... Red Rocks Amphitheater is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And, like, you walk around, and, I mean, it's cut outside of a fucking mountain. Yeah. And, and like, everyone that you can think of has played there. That's you know? the mecca, I would say. Uh-huh. If you could name a better venue in the country, I don't know oh, that. Man. I mean, besides Nashville, the Opry, stuff like that. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you look at genre, there's no genre there's uh-huh. no, it's any, any band can play like Dave Matthews is a good yep. example of mm-hmm. that. Like at Red Rocks, I went to Red Rocks seven years ago with Amanda, like you, no band. Uh-huh. and just ran up and down, you know, the steps yeah. of that venue. And, uh-huh. and I think you're spot on, man. The venue can make. Well, it's also like when you think about, so like <clears throat> Red Rocks, you, when you go in the back and, and like they have the walls where you see all the bands that have come through. And I think, did this, you get to see that? By the way, did you like tour? Yeah, I toured the inside? whole thing. I, see, went, I was just out in the. Uh, you can tour the whole thing. Yeah, like they have like this little uh, museum in it where you can go, and there's all this like memorabilia. Um, but you see, like they have down a hallway, every band that has played there since like 1910. So it used to just people. Is that when it was established? Yeah. Or really? it, I might be dating myself. It might have been the 30s or the 40s, but this place, people would come and sing and they would have all this stuff. It didn't become like an amphitheater officially, I think like the 30s or the 40s, but people had played there and singers and classical music, like classical music artists would come to this one specific spot. I think it because used to the, be. Um, the sound, I mean, of the rocks yeah. and everything that. It has something else that I don't know about, and I'm sorry for those of you that are going to, if you hear this, and like, you forgot about this part. But you can see every musician that has played up until, like, I think it's like 20, up until COVID, because they, I don't, they quit. No, I think they have 2022, and, and I think they have this year's. But, like, this might get wooey on people, but the music, I believe, leaves something in the space you got a doubt you feel it like you feel all that have come before right and the boathouse however gross and however nasty that place is has many musicians that have come through and that leaves an impact on the place without a i mean you're talking about like cbg yeah Mm -hmm. cbgb's cbgb's Mm -hmm. sorry um that's like that was a staple in new york 
yeah everybody early punk bands mm -hmm. and all bands a lot of bands came through there yeah that's that's a magical place i've never been there everyone who talks about it they talk about places like that we talk about music venues like people talk about churches and like the seventh wonders of the world right because of the experience yeah because of the experience that you have because of what's there i think um for us in atlanta <clears throat> our venues like my favorite venue was it was called the masquerade and it was this old mill that had three levels and and they were called it was the bottom level was hell the middle level was purgatory and the top level was heaven and so smaller bands would play in hell and then like bar bands would play in purgatory and then the big bands would play in heaven and it was so cool because like you walk in and it's just this abandoned factory or mill or whatever and you're going up these rickety ass stairs and it's just like it's been around since I don't know the 1920s or whatever, and it smells bad, but it's just like it was the, the awesome. bathrooms are the best oh, part. They're yeah. they're the real mm -hmm. measure of how special mm -hmm. the venue is. If the bathroom is totally trashed, yep, with graffiti all over the uh -huh. place, yep, you're you don't want to touch to anything. Pull your dick out of your pants. Yep. I mean that's mm -hmm. that's the type of bathroom I want to be in when I'm going to like. A real venue that's yep. rock mm -hmm. you know you want to you want to have you need a healthy level of crime to really have a good experience you need crime all around yep just just gross there you needs need to be to... scared getting in there yep mm -hmm. to know that that's where it's at and the masquerade was that it was in this this part of atlanta that's now been gentrified and the masquerade is no longer there it, it unfortunately it, a lot of them yeah, a lot of these places are gone, but um, and it was so cool. Like for me, what was fun is like to see a band one year in hell, and then to see them the next year in heaven. Because in heaven, you you knew you kind of made it. Like I in heaven, I would see bands like Against Me, Gaslight Anthem. I saw Thrice, um, all these all, bigger bands, and they were up in heaven. They were up in heaven. I saw Dropkick Murphys in heaven. So those were the types of bands that would play there until. Until like, so I saw Dropkick Murphys in the Masquerade, and then they got bigger to this other this other amazing video in Atlanta called the Tabernacle, which was this old Baptist church. Um, which, funny enough, our church almost bought it to have. We were going to have a, a thank goodness a, they didn't. God, I oh my God! I every concert I ever went to the Tabernacle, I said, <laughs> thank God we never bought it. We never bought it because it didn't have room for childcare. <laughs> right. So that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. the, the, the venues, I didn't know that we were going to start with that, but you but just talked you about actually, the boathouse, but you, you, well, maybe, maybe so, but that I'm saying you started like, it. Yeah. the venue uh -huh. by all means, I think can make or break any show. Oh, and so yeah. you've got to have the right venue. There was you a do. place called down the beach. Some listeners that are local might know peppermint beach house yep. mm -hmm. was one of those old school, spots back in high school where you know you'd get the you know you know the punk scene that mm -hmm. would come through there and and it was just a rowdy crowd it was intimate yeah you want mm -hmm. intimacy you want tradition and you want to know that where you're going is uh you know a place you're familiar with it yeah and mm -hmm. 
you know, it's, it's a different act every time, but you know what, what you can expect basically. And you want, you want some grungy stuff depending on what you're listening Mm -hmm. to, you know? Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't want to go to the Pepperman beach club to see, um, I don't know what would be Kenny G. <laughs> although he could probably rip, <laughs> that'd be wild. Club, yeah. But you know, although I'm a fan of Kenny G too. I mean, yeah. we're talking spectrum here tonight. And, yeah, uh, we're gonna go places. Um, yeah, it's just like it's so the, the venue can make or break. I love, I I love the feeling of walking through the doors of just a great a great venue and knowing what you're about to see, you know, even, and I love the Norva. The Norva is a great one. The Norva was one I was going to hold out, but to me, the Uh Norva, I've seen country, I've seen punk, Uh you know, various rock. The Norva to me is intimate. The point where I wouldn't want to see a show anywhere else in the seven cities, frankly. Yeah. The Norva made me happy because I was very spoiled in Atlanta when it came to shows. Like I don't want to I can't gloss over the Tabernacle because the Tabernacle what it was so you walk in and you walk up these stairs cuz it would I mean it's an old church. So you're, it's like you're walking up to church and then you go into the main concert hall. And there's this giant they never took out the pipe organ. So it has you know floor to ceiling pipe organ, all this old wood it it smells old it feels old it's like oh it's just amazing is it like a norva type venue or what in do you terms mean? of it's a single floor where you just got so it had it had backdrop? one floor it had you have the the bottom floor and then it had two balconies but yep. generally everything was general admission the balcony makes it in these intimate settings like these no. these I venues. Hate, oh, I can't. I feel so weird being in a balcony at a show, dude. I so you and I have disagreed about this. Like tomorrow night, for example, uh-huh. Bouncing Souls. You're like, I'll be downstairs. I was like, I'll be up on the balcony, friggin' I mean, sipping probably, a tall I mean, beer. I'm 42. I'll, I'm I'll probably take it. some breaks. I'll probably come up to the to the balcony. I haven't but, been in the pit in 20 years, man. I don't dude, plan on going back, but dude, but. Yeah, man, I've, but the fucking, it, but the tabernacle, like, there were seats on the balconies that you could chill. And I remember, like, see, <laughs> I go to all these punk shows, and I remember the first time I sat in the balcony at the tabernacle, and I felt like such a jackass. I was seeing Flog and Molly, and I've seen them, I've seen Flog and Molly 13 times. And every time it was down to the pit, it would be me and my buddies would go to see him. But this one, it was around Valentine's Day, and Carly had never seen him, so we went to see him for Valentine's oh, that's Day. A great Valentine's Day. Yeah, so we sat for in you. the balcony just being nice, and then and then they do because what bands do, it's really funny. I don't know what it is about if there's a balcony, they're always like, yeah, say up to the you know the assholes in the balcony, all those old motherfuckers, and they and everyone at the bottom flicks them off. Yeah, and that's what the lead singer Flog and Molly did. And then everybody flicked me off. And I was like, oh. so you were scarred by that. I was, but, I was but, scarred frankly, by you that. Were saving your body and just relax, listening to the music. See, yeah, I got to this point where I just wanted to literally look at the band. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see the interaction of the band. Yeah. I wanted to feel what was happening on the stage. And sometimes, you know, that's difficult, obviously if you're just in the pit. But. Well, I want to do that for specific bands good point like when i go to like tomorrow the bouncing souls i'll probably want to run around because that's what that music makes me want to do like when i was when i was seeing a uh, municipal waste 
uh, last um, last fall. I tried to get into that show. Oh my god, I couldn't. That was an amazing show. Like I, I had to just lose my mind because that's what that music makes me want to do. Like sometimes it's hard to drive my car when that music comes on because I want to jump out of my car. So, what's your? How do you know the waste? What do you mean? Are you a fan of the waste? How do I know municipal waste? Yeah. So okay. The, so Ryan Waste went to mm-hmm. high school with me in Co- at Cox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't know me to this day, but I know who he is, and I follow him. And I just think they're an interesting band that was born up through the Richmond scene. Uh huh. You know, back in late '90s, yeah. early 2000s, and those guys haven't really deterred from what they've done all along. Yeah. Know, I know. I also I also know Andy Harris. Well, Andy Harris was a good friend. Of, well, I'd say good friend. If he hears this, Andy, what's up? I mean, I haven't seen Andy in a number of years, but yeah. I knew Andy well into high school, like all through high school. All right, he was so, an OG guy. Let's see. How do I explain how do I know the waste? Easy answer is Carly. Okay. That's the easiest answer. She knows the waste? No. So Carly no, loves metal. My wife, Carly, loves metal. Shit, I didn't know that. She loves stoner metal the most, like Baroness... Um, bands like that, um, Valkyrie. I don't know if you've heard Valkyrie. No, you're, you're blowing my mind. You should listen to that band. That band's great. We love metal. She and I love metal so much that f- for one of our anniversaries, we went to a stoner metal festival in Pittsburgh. Really? Called, um, oh my God, I forget what it was called. Um, Descendants so we- of Crom. So we went to this music festival called Descendants of Crom, and it's just a bunch of like it was 15 stoner metal bands just ripping it. And we were just love. I mean, she loves that shit. She loves Dragon Force. Um, These are bands I'm not aware of. Oh, man. My, my, Dragon Force isn't stoner metal. My limit, Dragon Force is different, but. I think, you know, I came up, the hardest I got was the old hardcore mm-hmm. days yeah. of, uh, you know, late 90s. So, so like, so Carly. Um, just listen to that type of music. And then she was friends with people at JMU that would have shows in the basement and all that stuff. So she knows people that knows people that would know the band. And um, so it was in 2012, I came up to Virginia Beach randomly for the weekend and she was, she was already living here. Um, it was it was in this stage where she had graduated and I still had six more months till I graduated. So I was coming up to hang out. And she heard that Municipal Waste was coming to Shaka's and she was like she was like, Roy would probably be into that. And then also this band Constrictor was opening up. John Hicks and the crew. And John Hicks, Jared Fritz Singer, Andy Harris, yeah. uh, Matt, uh, Andy Stites. Grew up with all those guys. Yeah. So they were playing and she was like, he'd probably be into that. So that so we go to this show and that was my introduction, essentially to like the scene in Virginia Beach. So I'm telling you, I saw you at one of those shows because yeah. John Hicks is an old friend of mine I've known since literally yeah. middle school, and he was the best guitarist I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my day. And Const- he went to JMU with me. Constrictor, I wish Constrictor was still around. I loved that fucking band. I remember, and, and they I, were at JMU. Well, Constrictor came after. I went to college with with John at JMU, uh-huh. and they had a different band at that point. Robbie Olsh. Yeah, because there was, because and that's how Car- Carly probably knows 
what that band name was too because she was rolling with those i think she lived across the street from a bunch of those guys at jmu i don't know but anyway i loved constrictor i gave him the benefit of the doubt because they were they kind of knew carly but i i she had the one of their cds in her car when i first moved here and i wore that out i wish the constrictor was still around they were rad as fuck they toured for a little bit uh-huh. and um, yeah I haven't talked to John in a couple months, but you know they still play. I don't know if they play Constrictor, but I mean mm-hmm. that I never I never really got on with the Constrictor because at the point in my life I it, it was yeah. out mm-hmm. of my element. But um, I respect him as a guitarist because he is one of the best. John Hicks giving you a shout, um, guitarist. Yeah. He was playing Blink One Eighty Two in eighth grade up in Robbie Olsh's bedroom. With that that song, I can't remember that song, but it was so technical, and he's freaking carousel, carousel. Carousel. He's carousel. playing carousel, yeah, playing carousel. At, at fourteen years old with long red hair. Uh-huh. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. And he became one of my good friends for a number of years, man. I mean, uh-huh. he's he's a legend, local guy. Yeah, I was I was really good friends with uh, Fritzinger, Jared Fritzinger, the drummer, um, for a while, and that's how I knew Andy Harris. Man, they're gonna. We're giving so many shout outs. If these right guys now. even listen to this, but you know, hopefully yeah. they do. I'll have to send it to them. I want Andy Harris to come on. Um, but it was just so that was my introduction. Constrictor. It was my introduction to Virginia Beach was Constrictor, The Wet Boys, and uh, Municipal Waste. Your intro to VB or that music or, scene. That so this is what I was scene. like. So I was like, so this is what it's gonna be like. All right, I'm into this because it's about everything that i do you know because like municipal way starts playing before you know it, people are jumping off the stage people are doing that i'm just like with their boogie know. boards yeah and i'm in That's i'm in hog heaven i'm like fuck yeah let's go <laughs> you know like this is this is i okay so so this was my like it's gonna be all right you can live here roy you're gonna have a music scene and shock is another venue that i'm so sad is not around anymore i never went to Dude, anything there, oh i but. saw i saw uh I'm the Avalanche, which was the uh, movie life lead singer's side project. All right. I saw, um, oh my gosh, I saw Authority Zero there. I saw a um, number of bands. I saw H2O there. Um, Dude, H2O. H2O is wild. They're, it's, it's so I mean, they're f- out of uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. No. No, they're, I'm sorry. They're New York. New York. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about somebody else, but... Yeah, H2O was one of those that um, uh-huh. was sort of always in. It, they they went mainstream a little bit in terms of like punk. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they're they're such a they're such a happy hardcore band that I didn't know how to I didn't know what to do with my hands at the show because they're all you know it's all about the PMA and stuff and they're great. It's great. I li- I love his podcast. He has a podcast called really? One Life One Chance Podcast where out. he introduce he just um, he interviews uh, punk punk musicians and all sorts of people but yeah so yeah that's how that's how i was introduced to municipal waste and it stuck i love that band like i didn't know we were really talking about municipal waste because like mm-hmm. i i follow the waste I, I know a couple guys mm-hmm. in the waste you know through just growing up in the area mm-hmm. man and, and those guys actually i was i was disappointed because <laughs> we went to uh i went to that waste show that you were at and really oh cool I, I rolled up. It was COVID era, 
and they wanted you to have a Vax card. I didn't have a the, Vax no, card. No, this is a different show. It's a different show? The one that you're thinking of was a while ago. This one that I'm talking about was Municipal Waste and High on Fire. They were supporting an act of High on Fire. Okay. And this was at the Elevation 27, All right, which I'm, is the new yeah, venue. That was, I was talking the Norva show. Yeah, that was a while to. ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I grabbed a guy's pass didn't happen for me and i got booted so i went and had a nice dinner on granby so it was well good. that's good yeah it all worked out yeah um but yeah you were um that was uh yeah i think if i i just love finding music venues i love going into them i love the feeling it's the same thing with like you go to movie theater like it's fun to go into movie theater but being in the venue, it's like you feel all the bands that have come before, and you know what you're about to get into, and it's grimy, but it's also fun. You know, I hate, it's hard for me to go to venues that I have to sit down at. Like, going to a concert to sit down is weird to There's me. There's no sitting at any show, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Like, but you go to some places, and it's like, there's seats, and you feel like you got to sit down, but then the music starts. Like, when I go to the, um, recently at the amphitheater, I went to see a dashboard with Counting Crows Hmm. and dashboard was playing. And I was like, you know, I got to stand up for this, but like no one else was standing up. And then I feel like a jackass because I'm blocking someone, but he's belting out screaming infidelities and I'm not going to sit for that shit. You got to stand. You got to scream about the infidelities and you got to cry because that's how, that's what the the music does. That's what they are. Yeah. That's what they are. Right. I mean, my, my (laughs) brother-in-law dashboards his favorite band. Shout out Um, to Danny Dressler. I mean, I want to get into dashboard in a second, but I have kind of a specific way I want to talk about it. So we're going to come back to it, please. But um, but it's the same thing with like lawn seats. I can't stand going to the lawn and people putting out blankets because what it does is it creates a territory that you feel is yours, right? And you're spreading out this blanket and then people are trying to navigate through and then someone bumps and you get frustrated. I don't know. That happens to me. No, if I'm going to a show nowadays, I'm sitting, or at least at a Norva, or at a, uh, you know, the amphitheater. Uh-huh. I gotta have a seat. Really? I feel like it's it. Maybe it's just age. I don't know, but I want to be able to like have my my seat to be able to stand, yeah. sit, get good viewing. Yeah, I've gotten to that because I hate, I hate, I hated that feeling so much. Like the last show we went to at the amphitheater, I saw OAR with Dispatch, and we had sixth row seats. And it was the best because you can sit down, you can get up. It's just like you're saying. It's great. You don't have to worry about someone stepping on your towel. It's, it's kind of worth the extra premium. Oh, it is, man. It's I so told much. I I'd never make her sit on the lawn again. And really? I don't know. But I like to party, and so it's fun to be in the lawn when you're just like goofing off and dancing around and doing that kind of shit. But uh, I mean, that venue though. If we're talking about venues, uh-huh. the, you know the um, down there at the. Uh, it's at the amphitheater or whatever yeah. but if that's a different kind of venue that's not intimate to me unless mm-hmm. you're in the pit down at the yeah. bottom so like you get big acts that come through there like i saw a country act recently at mm-hmm. um the norva and it's up and coming guys that i discovered sort of through you know doing um apple music or whatever uh-huh. 
it was one of the best shows I've seen country wise. And this kid was walking around. He was like, it's my first tour I'm on. Uh-huh. And I'm telling a man, I'm like, this guy's going to be, he's going to be good. And that's like the intimate setting, the scene. I'm up there sitting with Amanda on the balcony, listening to this kid who's 23 years old. Just, just rip it, man. What was his name? Um, his name is Matt Schuster, which, you know, he's, he's a, you know, softer kind of country, melodic kind of guy, great mm-hmm. voice. And I would, I'd be hard pressed to say this kid doesn't have, he's, he's part of that whole, like, you know, Morgan Wallen type country, new country mm-hmm. kind of scene. That's a whole world I know nothing about. So I'm exploring that. I mean, when I married my wife, it was about country because we fell in love over like country music which was very weird because it was never part really? of my life. So I became a country guy, sort of. Oh, wow. And and that was interesting, being a rock guy, you know, hardcore, mm-hmm. punk, sort of, born and raised. And country music, for me, related me to her, being a Midwestern girl that liked country, too. Mm-hmm. So I used to just shoot her various songs when I was learning about country music that made me think of her. It's kind of a in love type of genre. Yeah, a lot of times and it at is. The time I was the closest. And I still am, by the way. If you're listening, Amanda. The, <laughs> <laughs> the closest I get to country is um, Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers. Well, those are my. Those are phenomenal. I mean, I listen to those guys all the time too. That's a yeah. different kind of country. These these pop country guys, like I'm talking about, yeah. like the Morgan Wallens and the Matt Schusters, right now, are. It's more of like grab your chick and just friggin' if you're cruising to dinner, turn it on. That's a genre that I I've tried and I can't get into. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I've really I've because I, I like to be. I guess if we're thinking about music, I li- like what I gravitate towards. It's always authentic and it's like emotion. And I've heard. I mean, you can get that from anything, but like I've tried with like all of this country. And it's it's hard. I don't know. It sounds it sounds like there's a lot of replay going on. You know what does it for me with the country is the accent rarely sounds authentic. True. So like with Tyler Childers and Sturgill Simpson, I hear just a natural drawl to their stuff. But there's a lot of guys that start singing and it's like they want to talk like or sing like this and they add it. And to me, that's like it's pop. Uh, yeah, I mean mm-hmm. it's pop. I mean let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's country pop. I mean Morgan Wallen just won umph amounts of awards really? across the Billboard, you know. And he's a country guy technically. Yeah. But who's who's that? Is he the guy that just got canceled, or he was his he voice came under fire? Like he had to cancel some shows because he was supposed to come here over the summer. He was sold out. I like, thought he got in trouble for something, or maybe I'm thinking of something different. No, it's because he that. shaved his mullet. Is that what I was hearing? Everybody got mad he shaved his mullet? That could be, but I, don't, I, yeah. I heard his voice broke, and he was doing he was doing so much touring uh-huh. this last summer. This guy like sold out. He was doing double dates at every venue. Uh-huh. Wow. Like selling out Fenway Park. And, and things like that. And he was doing double dates. He was doing double dates all over the country. He's and his that voice, popular. He just won. He's like the number one pop I've slash never, artist. 
I've never in heard the country, one. Right? I've never heard one Morgan Wallen song. You, he was on SNL. SNL. He was on SNL. Probably back before he was huge. No, no, he host. I think he hosted. He either hosted it or he was the musical act because they may have been. They did a whole bit involving him. Anyway, I, I have a lot of respect for him. He's he sort of bridged that whole pop country thing, which I, again, I was falling in love. I'm in love. Like it's it's love music that I can tolerate that's not honky-tonk, yeah. which I still respect, uh-huh. too, because uh-huh. I still love all those old-school country guys. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about a place that's sacred, you can talk about the um, Grand Ole Opry. For sure. I mean, that place I mean, is like, that's talk about, that's church to people. No doubt. I mean, oh, I was man. I was in Nashville, uh, what, probably six or eight weeks ago. Is it not the Ryman? And also the Ryman? Or Ryman. we think, we're not, th- we're thinking, there's two separate places. You can go to the Ryman or you can go to the Grand Ole Opry, right? There's they're right across okay. the way. Because yeah. there's one where you can stand on the stage. They have one spot that's the old one. I don't know if it's the Ryman or the Grand Ole Opry. Because I don't want to mess fuck this up, but you're gonna. And I am, and I'm sorry, but I can respect. Like it's not a lot of country that I like. But I can respect the music and I can respect the sacredness of the place. Well, so that's what Nashville, you know, Nashville mm-hmm. is like the biggest upcoming city in the country. Yeah. You could argue. But I mean, the, the strip there has always been. And the acts that are coming through now, having been there six or eight weeks ago, like mm-hmm. you've got these bands playing on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it's these, these women and men with amazing voices that are absolutely lighting it up and there's nowhere there's nobody in the bar during the day frankly i was i'll admit it (laughs) and you know you just you just hear phenomenal music talent and i would say nashville is one of the 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 only places i could feel like i could go consistently Mm -hmm. and love it every friggin time no matter what you do i don't care what genre you're into but if you like music and you haven't been down to Nashville to sit in and listen to some shows day or night, you're freaking blowing it. If you're a fan of music, yeah. you haven't been to Nashville down on Broadway during the day, frankly. Go to the day. That's where the, the people are coming in, the guys, gals that aren't you know, big acts yet, but these uh-huh. kids have thrown everything in. And these, these kids, I mean, I got to tell you, it was, it's, it was enlightening to say the least. That's cool. In terms of just appreciating good music. I think that's also the place that has the Bluebird Cafe. Yeah, for sure. It's right where this and that's where the songwriters Nashville, I, I think Nashville besides like Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. if we, you know we're getting into genre, but Austin's got a good scene too in terms of just, you know. Yeah. Bluebird Cafe is Bluebird. Nashville. Bluebird's hard to get into. But that's the place where like the actual songwriters of the songs will sing and you can go and listen to them. Yep. And it's very intimate, and it's hard to get a seat there. Um, all sorts I of tried. people. You, could, you had to reserve it like three months in advance. Yeah, I think it's the Grand Ole Opry has the uh, they have the little the little circle, and it's the old stage. But then you also have the Ryman, and I'm, I, you know, the I'm Ryman's like up. yeah. I mean, these are all just classic. Yeah, renowned. And but venues. people have been playing there for 70, 80 years. It's you know, back Hank to what you're Williams, saying, Red Rocks, you know? and you know. So, <clears throat> I just like, I can respect a place like that 
um, in the history of that, you know, it's the same thing with like the Apollo. You think about the Apollo, they have all the people that have been there. Um, Carnegie Hall. I mean, you walk into these places and it's like they've been been there for however long they have, and so many people have just come through it. I mean, it's 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 a beautiful thing. So that's what I mean about like that's that's why I just you know that that was my church. You go there and you're getting something out of it, and you're usually leaving positive. You know, there was an against me show one time that I left with a giant black eye, but you must have been in the pit. Yeah, I was crowd surfing and somebody jumped up and elbowed me right in the eye. Was oh. what city was that in? In Atlanta, was it the Masquerade in Heaven? Oh my God, another great story, the Masquerade. So you've been a a pursuer of, I mean, venues are important, mm-hmm. but like hardcore rock punk has kind of been your genre. Would you say like um, throughout your music? It's been the constant. I was going to talk about concerts, but, but yeah, it's been the one constant, like, um, the first time I heard Metallica's inner Sandman, I think I was 12, 11 or 12 and hearing that sound and what could come from guitars and a voice and all that coming together, I was forever changed. Sold. I was sold. And so like when it but when it comes to like like you're like chasing that kind of genre of music, um, the first concert I ever went to and I moshed at, it was pro it's probably just the moshing that I've been chasing. Really? So you like slamming around. There's getting, getting something intimate. This is going to this this there's something cleansing for me. But you're also what? 6 2 six, three. 1. I'm 6 1. All right. So you look bigger to me, but Mhm. Um and it, but it wasn't about that. It wasn't about it wasn't about being an aggressive dude or like macho. Um I can remember like there's always been this level of anger in my life from being a part of like parents not having much, being around people that had more than I did, not being cool enough, not being whatever, you know, filling all the blanks. So there's been this level of anger. And then when I got thrown into this pit and this like pushing and shoving and you're fighting for your spot there was something about it that I was able to release it. And then I, I left, I left kind of happier. And so I was, so I've was, been, it was, it was spiritual almost in a way. Yeah. It's weird. Cleansing yeah. To be, so I've been chasing that feeling. That's interesting, man. Because, it is. Yeah. You know, I've been out of the pit for a lot of years cause mm-hmm. I just can't hang, but, uh, I, well, I can I, relate. I did the same thing and <laughs> I, I kind of stood away cause I've had like two knee surgeries and all that shit. But like I, I went to see face to face and lag wagon at the Norva. Dude, let's talk about that show because were you there? I was there. Oh, that show. And like I would say face to face was one of the best bands I ever oh saw besides social D. They were at the Norva. They were a band that I wanted to see 
them and Lagwagon were like bands that I wanted to see, so I finally got the chance to. And I was just gonna be like, I'm just gonna go to the show, whatever, it'll be right. But then face to face comes on, and I don't know what came over me, and I was just like, fuck it, Dude, let's go. Face to face was the anthem of my high school life. Dude, I love I mean, he and oh, the music is so. But oh god, I love that band. I love the bass. The bass lines and all of their songs are so rad. They, they light it up and like uh-huh. you know you talk about nostalgia and feeling about you know uh-huh. certain things when uh-huh. you're there. And and for me, like face to face was that band for uh-huh. me at least. Where like my high school girlfriend at the time, like I dragged her there and it was just like an unbelievable show and it just sort of hit nostalgia uh-huh. on that level. And I feel like you take these pieces away from these experiences at these shows where it's like it's nostalgic yeah. mm-hmm. and you want to see that band again and you pray that it'll be as good as it was the last yeah. time, you know? And well, I had never seen them, so I had no idea, but something came over me and it was like, they were, you know, I was like, you need to do this. You need to go in. And so I was up at the front, just running around getting crazy. And it was funny because it was the first time that I realized that I'm older than everybody. Cause I'm looking around and all of us are like, after the show is done, you're just like huffing and puff, or after the song would be done, you're huffing and puffing a little bit and like, okay, no, we're going to be all right. But I would just, I just, I don't know. I just lost it in there. And then that's when I was like, okay, I need to do this more. It's so you, something. Were, you were an absolute feeler of the music, which Dude, I love, when they, man. when I mean, they, when that's, when the music comes on, it's, I think it's vibration now and, which goes back to venue. So if you have a good venue mm-hmm. like the Norva. Yeah. You feel the music. It's pumping through you. Yeah, and so like vibration is I hope I don't lose anybody in this, but like so music is literally just sound. So it's sound. And sound the only way we have sound is to oxygen. So it's a vibration that travels through oxygen. And so we're feeling that when we're hearing like our when we're hearing music and there's something about when i think the vibration is stronger when it's this aggressive distortion heavy hitting on the drums fast paced you're feeling it and it's just you know there's there's something to it that i'm just like oh god i love it and it just like gets me going and there's I'm a just lot of people running I think around. that haven't experienced that, and those that haven't, you know, I, I feel bad for them almost in a way because I, I'm with you. Yeah, I want to feel the pump. Yeah, like especially I want certain songs to play. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about a band that you followed for 20 years playing songs you don't know? I mean, is that weird? Depends. I mean, if they're good ones, maybe. Well, it depends. So, like, I saw Saves a Day at Warp Tour one time. This was, like, 2015, 2016, and he decided he wanted to play all his new songs. And I was like, come on, man. You're at the fucking Warp Tour. I mean, Saves the Day is a great example of a band that just sort of, in my heyday in college, that's mm-hmm. what we were listening to. Like, yeah. at parties and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. that was what was happening. Mm-hmm. And... uh what a talented guy, by the way. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that you can't move on and play new stuff, but like if you're at the Warp Tour and you got a 30 minute set, we're not here to hear your new experimental shit. We want to hear at your funeral. Well, so that you know at your funeral, like I learned to play that on acoustic, and I was like, that's 
that's one of those songs where I can I can tell you where I was when I heard it uh-huh. type stuff. You know? Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great name. Drop good name drop. I know. But so like it's just music is interesting because like it's just sound traveling through oxygen. It's that vibration and it just is put together in a way that it tugs at your heart sometimes, you know? It's it's interesting like if you play like a G chord, it's like a major so a G major, it's like a happy note, right? But then you play a minor and it's sad and it's weird and it's just it just affects you differently. And I think there's so much power in that. Do you think these artists, man, I always thought about this, like Saves a Day is a good example with that song we just said um, at, at your funeral. funeral. Uh-huh. You've got some some sort of depressing chords being played. Uh-huh. And once I didn't know the difference until I learned guitar. And I was like, wow, that that's these guys are absolute I mean, they're they're savages in the sense that they do what they do amazing. Yeah. Because they play a consistent mm-hmm. sort of feeling, right? That you yeah. get from that music. And that song's really cool because it it starts out slow, and then it goes fast, and then there's like a big finish. And I love how you can like take people on a journey in that way. I'm always I always love when people like they go real big, but then they take it down. Because if you take it down, you can bring it all the way back up again. And and you you would call that pop punk almost, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, with pop punk particularly, you want that. I mean, you want to get the ups and the downs, and you sort of want to know the break. And Mm -hmm. what a a classic band that I didn't think we were going to mention, but I mean... Who knows? You know, you we're never know. You didn't know we we're going to talk about municipal waste. I didn't either. So, no what doubt. was what was your first concert you ever went to? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me this question. It was Toad the Wet Sprocket. Heck yeah! At Strawberry Hills, right across the bridge. Bring me the bottle opener. Yeah, brother. Holy shit! Toad, Toad the, the, the Wet, wet sprocket. sprocket. When I was like thirteen All years I old. All I want to be with. Was like I love that song, yeah. "Walk on the Ocean." And I still listen oh, to that song. I mean. God. I mean, you want to talk about '90s just Shit, feel good? Man. Oh, I mean, walk on the ocean. Walk on the ocean. Step on the stone. Oh, Spot in the ocean. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, you know, it. To me, I didn't. I was invited there with a buddy of mine whose older sister took us. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And Strawberry Hills was an old old venue, which definitely not there anymore. But right over the bridge, great mm-hmm. outdoor spot. And this was Toad back when they were, you know, big, pretty big. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was my first show. And that introduced me to live music, I think. And at that point, I sort of got acclimated to the experience yeah. at 13. And I was like, you know, live shows are the shit. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then aside from that, I couldn't tell you what I did after that. I was never a guy going to like any pop concerts my parents or anything like that because eventually you know getting into high school the punk scene just gripped me and so i was like a fat records guy i was listening to all that stuff and anytime i didn't go to too many shows in high school um pennywise mm-hmm. taking it back was was one of the ones that you know we saw live but i think it was it was more so like that transition from high school to you know 1999 98 99 i was big into hardcore mm-hmm. you know listening to a lot of hardcore in the late 90s um because of my friends that was what yeah. the friend group was doing um you know i'm trying to think of like the bands that i was listening to back then that were just absolutely you know some scream bands 
Um, some local guys that came out of here. Uh, did you know Chris Rains? Yeah, guys? Norma Jean. Norma Jean. But yeah. prior to that, Spitfire. Yeah, was Spitfire. What was, what was banging mm-hmm. when you know that transition between ninety nine, mm-hmm. ninety, you know, two thousand, two thousand one. Spitfire was one of the biggest bands to come out of here if you were in that genre. Yeah. Um, and they set the precedent for a lot of bands, I feel like, at that point. So you go from Toad the Wet Sprocket to a bunch of hardcore shows. To Spitfire. I mean, that's wild. You know, My- and <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lover of music. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I, I like it all. Yeah. My first concert was, um, do you remember the band Arrested Development? Oh, yeah. Still so, listen to him. Yeah, so the lead singer of that band, Speech, actually uh, became a member of our church growing up, and we had a conference. And so he played at the conference. And so that was my very first introduction to shows. Yeah. But then my dad took me. Was he playing like yeah, he played tennis. He played Tennessee. Tennessee. He played it. Yeah. And it was, I was just like, this is, this is cool. Like, I still hear front. Tennessee coming on the radio. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to put that he, up a little he, bit. Speech or Arrested Development was on, um, 311 does a cruise. And so Arrested Development was on the cruise with 311. Now, were you a 311 fan? Hell yeah! All right, so one thing I can't get a, I can't get behind three eleven. Really? I don't know why, dude. Oh, talking I about could, stuff that you just can't can't grip. They're coming I mean, to the Norva in February. You should come. Maybe I'll change yeah. my mind, but but like so, <laughs> you should. Yeah, I love three eleven. We could talk about how they became a bandwagon band, but anyway, I think it was more bandwagon at yeah, the time. Like the, every, it was mainstream. And Sublime. And I was like, I was anti-mainstream. Sublime's a different story though. Cause really? Sublime. I mean, I started listening to them after you know Bradley died. Well mm-hmm. after that, into college, and I was like, these guys. Yeah, they became, but they became a bandwagon band, and they just became. It's just like let's get high and listen to Sublime, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, that's what most people were doing. But still, the music was great. Um, but uh, but yeah, so like my other, so like I had that show. I count that because it was my first ever like live music experience. But like my dad took me to see Dave Matthews Band for my birthday. So that was a big one. When was that? This was 1994. Oh, so let's talk about Dave because I think he has to be part of this conversation. Well, you know, he's he's my people might stop listening, but he's that band is my number one favorite band of all time. I'm glad you say that because I didn't get into Dave till after 10 years after 94. So it was Uh like early two thousands. And I started listening to the music and realizing how special what it is that he was doing. That was different that almost Mm -hmm. anybody you could put that on wherever you were and Mm -hmm. people would be okay with it. Yeah. I, um, I found them because of probably the radio, but I remember, um, most people that are our age remember, like, uh, what was it, Columbia House, mm-hmm. where you would, like, put the stamp on the thing and send away for CDs. And remember, it would always yeah. say, it would always be, like, get all these CDs for a penny or whatever, but then they'd hit you with the shipping and handling. You could never afford it. But um, I got one of their, C- I got their uh, Under the Table and Dreaming. 
and wore that CD out when I was a kid because I played saxophone in high school and they had a sax player and I don't know something about the music that just got me. But I mean, I've seen them 15, 14, 15 times live. Uh, you want to talk about instrumental? One of my uh-huh. favorite concerts I ever saw was Dave at the amphitheater. Uh-huh. Coldplay was another one I saw at the amphitheater, which top notch, one uh-huh. of the best shows I've ever been to. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen Dave Matthews band so many times. I've I I've at one point I had twenty seven of their CDs between like that's live my re- wife live has albums. Every single CD of theirs, and that's how we sort of mm-hmm. connected. Like yeah. she bought uh, it was an anniversary gift actually to go see them, which I'd never seen them live, and this was like four years ago. We might have been there. We might have been at the show. It was the last show I think he came and played at. Was it raining? It always yeah. rains. Yep. So I'll be honest with you. We were probably there. We were in the pit. And I know this was a show that, so my wife, chiropractor, knew the stage manager for there. And so for a while, she was getting calls if artists needed a chiropractor. So like she's, she adjusted the guy from Disturbed. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. That's another good name. Um, but uh, did he play... Uh, at the amphitheater? Yeah, Disturbed did really? years ago, long, long time ago. They were like early 90s. Yeah. They were the L.A. scene. Like, He was like dating... Uh, Are we thinking of the same person? The ooh-wah. That's this, Disturbed. Maybe we're not. You muck it down with the sickness. No, I'm not no. thinking about that. Yeah, I'm you're thinking not thinking about, about somebody else. Yeah. I'm thinking so, about... Yeah, I, I'll, I'll get, it'll come to me in a second. So anyway, so Carly gets a call one morning, and they're like, you know, hey... The, uh, the crew is looking for a chiropractor. Can you be there and come adjust the crew? And she was like, yeah. So I got to be her assistant. Nice. And we adjusted. She adjusted a bunch of the crew. And then they were like, are you going to go to the show? And we're like, no, we don't have tickets. And like, hold on a second. And then here they come out with like all excess badges and then catering tickets and all sorts of shit. And we're just like, what? Got so, so we got to like that's eat, a cool story. Though. We got to eat catering with. Um, we didn't see the band back in catering. Um, she mainly adjusted a lot of the crew, um, but like, yeah, we had a little badge. We got up front. She made she made a good bit of money, and it was rad. She's also adjusted Jimmy World. Um, we got to go Another backstage. Classic. Yeah, that was actually at the National in Richmond, but that was because my old boss was their guitar tech. And so he like mentioned it. Like I went and I fixed their espresso machine on their tour bus. Dude, so you got you got these ends with these different yeah. acts, man. Uh-huh. But yeah, but Dave Matthews band has been like I mean, I honestly don't care who knows. Dave Matthews band is rad and I will always Dude, love it, them i don't care what genre of music you like mm-hmm. if you can't find some sort of respect for what he's done yeah to music i mean well, yeah i've tried to play some of his stuff dude it's it's damn near impossible i mean the guy is a uh-huh. literal yeah legend in terms of just playing guitar and you know singing well the what's great about the band one their <clears throat> musicality um they they do so many good things. They've been touring together for how since the early nineties. Ninety four. He's a he's a Virginia guy actually, but he's from yeah from right. Charlotte. Well, he's well, he's, he's from, from South, South Africa. Africa. 
Yeah. But Charlottesville back in the, the early nineties is where he got his start. And that's what, that's what was something that made people give them sort of a, uh, a whatever like negativity is because a lot of people that go to the shows are like polo shirts and sundresses. Yeah. Like frat guys and sorority girls. And so like when I would go to the show, I was usually in Jinko jeans and stuff. And I'd be like looking around like, whoa, this is weird. But the band would get on and it was always a blast. And they're great musicians. They're an, they're probably the best music, like musically talented band mm-hmm. I've ever listened to. I feel like. And they're, they're just jam band enough for me to get into. So that's like, the whole other the whole jam band. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a whole nother genre, which can which, you relate at all? What do you mean? Who's your jam band? It's Dave Matthews. So like if there's jam bands that I'll listen to, I'll listen to Dave Matthews band, OAR dispatch those kind of bands or bands i think can get jammy and so i have a hard time listening to fish i don't really mind them i don't think they're bad background noise. it's just like i can't handle a song that's 35 minutes long <laughs> like i agree and someone once i think one thing someone told me like the only way to like fish is on drugs and i was like all right i'm good i'll probably never listen to them again well i've heard that too i've got friends that have been to like 185 yeah fish shows um there's another band called um goose oh they're coming uh jam yeah they're they're going to the hamden coliseum this weekend that's right and i saw them two years ago in oregon Mm -hmm. when i was out there snowboarding with some buddies just a random show in the throes of covid and it was shoulder to shoulder we had no idea who this band was and we jammed all night long. I've never been a jam band guy. And yeah. that that sort of changed my mindset on jam bands. Uh-huh. I mean, Amanda's sort of liked Fish as a background sort of music, and I've never really been able to get into it. So the jam uh-huh. band thing to me has always been sort of that I can't stomach it. But I'm telling you this guy, these guys goose, they're pretty yeah. fucking banging. There they were a, chance a, a bunch of people that were like going to the show this weekend, but I'd already I was like I've been wanting. I, I've never seen Bouncing Souls. I've wanted to see them, so we have. I have to choose Bouncing Souls over Goose. I think I'll be okay. I got a buddy going to both shows. That's crazy because they're the doing way, all weekend, right? Uh, Goose. Well, yeah. He's going to he's going to Bouncing Souls tomorrow, and he's going to Goose Saturday. Weekend. Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and frankly, I wanted to go to Bouncing Souls, and I'm yeah. still on the fence. Really? I still am. I have well because I got the Nutcracker concert or show for my kids tomorrow. I'm like, how am I going to transition? But at the same time, nah, you'll I got be shit fine. To do Saturday, maybe I. You know what? I'm just going to fucking do it. I'm I just going to roll, man. Good luck. It's probably sold out at this point. Yeah, I think um, it might be. Either way. Yeah. You know, I'm about to date myself. You know, whatever. Another concert. I, it was so like. I did my first concert in Levels. So I had my first exposure to live music with Speech from Arrest Development. My first concert that was like not church-related was Dave Matthews' band with my dad. Then I had the first concert that I went without parents. And that was to Sugar Ray and Everlast. Talk about 90s. <laughs> You're a 90s baby. Dude, that was that was the first time... That was the first concert I went Sugar to. Sugar Ray. Yeah. That was the first time I saw boobs. Like live boobs live in the, boobs. 
Yeah, because everybody they were flashing uh, Mark McGrath, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Damn. Yeah. I never had that experience, and I don't uh-huh. know that I ever wanted to. Um, those two bands, particularly. How do you feel about them today? Okay, um, <clears throat> I'll I'll say this. So here in Virginia Beach, they do the they used to do the American Music Fest. Yep. All the bands come to the ocean front. I mean, you'd have like 40 bands over the weekend, right? Usually they're like 90s, 80s, whatever. So I didn't know that this was like this. And, and most of the, sh- the stages are free, which is, which is awesome. So this is the first year, I, the first summer that I moved here. And so my buddy was up. And so we're like, yeah, let's go see some bands. So we got on some bikes. We're biking around. And so Eve 6 was playing at one stage it was going to be Eve six and then sugar Ray. And I was like, this is probably going to be fun to watch no matter what. So Eve six comes on and they ripped the whole set. Like there, they had like, they played all the hits, but they had a good time with it. And it was, it was fun. And, uh, they kind of made fun of themselves and, but there, and I, I didn't know that Eve six was like that. They're pretty decent musicians. So it was, it was a good show. And um, I loved that they embraced, like, what they were, you know? Like, people know them because of the song, like, The Heart in the Blender. Yeah. That song. That's such mainstream stuff. That, But, so then we're like, all right, that was pretty cool. Like, I didn't know Eve 6 was was, gra- was that fun. Right. All right, whatever. So Sugar Ray's probably going to be a blast. So then Sugar Ray comes out. And it's it's literally just Mark McGrath and some musicians, and he's like, "What's up, guys? I'm Mark. This is Sugar Ray, and we're gonna play our brand new song, Summertime Lovin'." And they just get into it, and I was just like, "All right, this sucks," and we left. <laughs> Dude, Sugar Ray, talk about like a kind of almost one and done type scenario, but I mean that's the kind of music that's mainstream, and you have to yeah. you're hearing it on the radio mm-hmm. over and over and over. Yeah. Um, which I've never been a real fan of until I started listening to country music. I mean, nah, man, Sugar Ray was Sugar Ray was okay back in the back in the beginning. They just had that every morning song. I hated Fly. that song. I hated that song too. Yeah, they had a couple. They used to be called the Shrinky Dinks. That's an old school. Shrinky Dinks was this '80s uh, art thing where you would get this this like picture and you could color it, and it was like the like big size like a paper size then you would put it in the oven and as it would heat it would shrink and that was their name and so they took their name from that but that, then they had to the change their name their future yeah like, shrinky I, I couldn't stand you talk about stuff i can't get behind i mean i could never never that get behind sugar ray pissed me off man I, for weird reasons yeah i i liked the song fly and then it was like a s- s- pretty slow descent um but what were some of you like? Do you have any favorite concerts um, that you can like think of? Faves. So this is gonna go back to um, James Madison days. JMU. Like uh-huh. you know, I saw Strike Anywhere in my buddy's basement. Saw, the, saw them at Shaka's. I saw them in a basement at JMU that my buddy's wow. in my buddy's house back in probably two thousand one. Uh huh. That was epic. If you're just talking about like pure mm-hmm. 
seeing a, an amazing act in a venue that's maybe not it's low key you know um and then i would say hot water oh you saw hot water I music saw at the national back in like 2003 maybe oh i bet that show was when in their heyday dude and that was that was one of the most epic like again i i look at hot water I think about punk genre, rock music and uh-huh. stuff like that. And I think about what they've done since and like Chuck Reagan and that whole scene. He's kind of gone all over. Um, for that, for me at the time, I didn't know it, but it was, that sort of was like, that's my staple of what I, what I like mm-hmm. to hear. And then that sort of expanded into, you know, the genres that are coming out over the last, you know, 10, 15 years of like, what would you call it? Um, Are you talking about like the, his acoustic stuff with the revival tour? Well, his acoustic stuff, but then almost, I feel like Chuck's voice and his acoustics uh-huh. and what he did, I feel like it sort of spilled over into different, um, like Lucera, which was around before that. But so that that reminds it's it's very like you could probably put that in Americana because you got like um, Lucero, you've got Jason Isabel. Uh, Tim Barry, uh, well, Tim Barry is, he's a whole nother God, That guy's, have you ever seen Tim I've Barry? I haven't seen Tim Barry. Tim Barry live is, it's amazing. Well, it's like the singer songwriter. thing. Yeah, right? but it's, that- it's, it's Americana, but there's like a gruffness to the sound that a lot of punk guys do. Like, um, what's his name from Gaslight Anthem, Brian, uh, Fallon. Fallon. Yep. He like him. Uh, there's a guy Dave House who is from the Loved Ones. There's Dan Adriano from uh, Alkaline Trio. So that's Alkaline um, was like the the theme mm-hmm. band of my whole college career. God, I love Alkaline. Everybody Trio. was listening to Alkaline. Then there's this guy Frank Turner who is on my top ten artists of all time. He was in a, a hardcore band called the uh, Million Dead and over in England. And started, he got hooked up in like the singer songwriter thing. Um, who else has done? I mean, it, it's really interesting that like it, a punk rock birthed this like singer songwriter. Well, guys. that's right, exactly. Like growing up in the 90s, it was like these punk music, mm-hmm. you know, punk bands, which you yeah. could maybe put back in the day with the early albums of, of Hot Water. Uh-huh. And then you got Chuck Reagan kind of going off and doing, you know, the Americana mm-hmm. type genre. And it, it sort of evolved into what I started listening to, which was like the Luceros. And it almost became like a, mm-hmm. a blend of, I wanted to say it was, it was folky in a way that was overlapping that punk melody that I liked at the time. Well, there's a lot of pop punk that's very melodic. And it's easy to take some of their songs and to kind of put it acoustic. So you can see that these guys have... I love, I yeah. love hearing a, a, an aggressive punk song. Like, So uh-huh. My Boy's perfect example. Taking it back to Social Distortion. Uh-huh. Uh, Reach for the Sky. There's a YouTube video of them playing that song. And I get chills uh-huh. every single time I watch that video, dude. Yeah, and I, my boys love it. And it's just, it's, it's, it hits everything. Yeah. So social mm-hmm. distortion, I would say, I mean, you haven't asked me the question, but I would say that's probably 
one of my, if not my favorite band with all the music and all the songs that they did that were just sort of hits in my uh-huh. own mind. Yeah. You know, Social D, how much they bled into what the bands like we're talking about ended up doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at like his voice um, and Social D, it's, it's absolutely, it, it just, it does something to me. I mean, not everybody, but. I saw Social Distortion with Lucero and Frank Turner. Dude, that would have been one of my favorite shows I've ever seen of all time. Yeah, they played at the Tabernacle. And Did they? Uh, yeah, it I, was. Yeah. I went mainly for Frank Turner, um, but he played, and it was it was Frank Turner, then it was Lucero, and then it was Social Distortion, and it was. It is interesting, like sometimes scenes in these bands can become very tribal, I think, which can be hard to get in, you know, when you go to these shows, but that was a rad show. So like, you know, the music is great, Mm -hmm. which I'm always number one on, but like a guy like Mike Ness, Mm -hmm. that dude is like the epitome of cool. He is. To me. Has like, a, like our hair slicked back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at like Mick Jagger in mm-hmm. our parents' day, right? Mike Ness is the fucking coolest dude I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he's mm-hmm. slicked back, tatted neck, like fucking ripping on the old, um, you know, guitar he plays. That, that to me is like, if I could tell my kids, this is the shit that you want to listen to and, and learn from, uh-huh. Mike Ness and all they did with Social D is like, yeah i mean it's right i got into that stuff so so much later so much later in my life because like i got really into in the 90s and 2000s early 2000s it was just a lot of like (laughs) that's my embarrassing (laughs) time of music well i mean you just talked about it where it was sugar well no like i went deep like i was really into kid (laughs) rock I really like. Well, by the way, I thought I was hoping we could play one Kid Rock song tonight because no. it's a new one and it's fucking a banger. I don't know, man. <laughs> but I like there was a few like I got really into rap rock and like All that right. scene. But you're from also ATL, yeah. Where you know some of the best rap music I've ever heard. Sure, we'll get that. into that in a second. But like, like it was like from in '99, like I was really into it. Was so it was Dave Matthews Band, Limp Bizkit. Kid Rock, Creed. I, I, I'm embarrassed I'm to sorry. say that I like Creed, and then, and then that led into my insane clown posse year. Yikes! I didn't know so, we were gonna go there, but let's do it. We will. And like, <laughs> like, there's no shame in my game. Like, I like the music. I did whatever, but like, so when, so like, I was getting into this stuff like late. Now I will say of that music. I got into Incubus, and they're one of my top ten bands. They're one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. I've seen them six or seven times, and I got to see them at the Tabernacle before um, the Morning View album. And uh, it was like right. It was like right before, like Drive. That song Drive was just getting popular. Early two thousands. Yeah. So like they were still like they're still rad. I don't care. Incubus fucking rocks. They're a great live show. I watched them they, on TV a couple weeks ago. Really? On a, oh, on a, God. And I'd never seen them live. Uh-huh. 
and they were playing their stuff. And I remember it, it was nostalgic uh-huh. in a lot of ways because they were mainstream to a certain extent. Sure. But um, I will agree with you. I think Incubus, I'd never given them the, the chance. They were because they gotta, were too mainstream. If people are listening here and you're just like, fuck that guy, you got to give him a chance. They, it was some of the most, it was great. And it was like at the Tabernacle, so it was a smaller venue. And it was mainly like, this is going to sound shitty, but it's mainly dudes. Because I remember I saw them after Drive got popular. And then it was like 60% women at the show. And it was hilarious to like, like, why are you guys all here? You just want this one song? Yeah. So I mean, that that's how mainstream it became, I think, for Incubus. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I traveled, in- I traveled to Nashville to see Incubus. I traveled to Pennsylvania to see Incubus. Uh, I saw them at this thing called the Rolling Rock Town Fair in two thousand one. Check out this lineup: it was Stone Temple Pilots live. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, so Stone Temple Pilots live, Deftones, and Incubus. You saw all, all of them? I saw all of them at one show You're in Pennsylvania. You're way more educated than I am on live shows, man. Dude, it was... Well, that's my thing. I mean, I love that shit. But, um, dude, yeah, I saw them... Uh, yeah, we went to Jersey uh, to see them at a music festival uh, five or six years ago. We got to see... It was Incubus, and it was called the See Here Now Festival. It's in Asbury Park. And Social Distortion played. Bruce Springsteen actually came up and sang a song with them. The boss. Oh, yeah. It was fucking rad. I mean, um, how but, can you not? I mean, he's another one that, like, I didn't really respect until oh later in life. Listen to No Surrender, that fucking song. Almost all of his songs, man. Yeah, Atlantic dude. City. I mean, uh-huh. that song just hits me. Well, that's like, the band. Well, what? His song? Well, so, no, hold on. So he covered the band. The band oh, actually wrote right. that song. That's right. Yeah, that's, he covered that's, that song. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about? I mean, he is a absolute legend. Yeah. And I feel like almost at times you have to grow into music like uh-huh. that. And people but, talk about how, like, you know, you hear a "Born in the USA." It's not a patriotic song. No, it's not. That. We've listened to it recently, mm-hmm. and it's but not. It, but yeah, you're right. It's not. It's but not a patriotic day, song at all. Like, people boom, are just boom. like, yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, but yeah, so um, yeah, Incubus, man. So like, I can't relate with Incubus, but all I can say is I respect them as artists. But yeah, and so like they've stayed with me, um, out of all that. So I guess I'm grateful that I got into that because I don't think if I had gotten into that, in that music, no, I take that back. My brother. So my brother got me into to Incubus because he he started playing that. My brother also got me into Dashboard Confessional, and I love this story because. So like, I get off work, I'm taking a nap, I'm fucking tired. My brother, brother, all of a sudden, like I, you know, when you like just fall asleep, yeah, and you're just like right there, and you're like, yes, this is gonna be great, and all of a sudden you hear my brother, my no, my brother. <laughs> busts in my room and he goes wake up and i was like what he's like dude i got he said no you've got to listen to this i just got this this album at best buy it's dashboard confessional just shut up and listen to it and he just literally he hits play on the it was uh the places you come to fear the most album that's screaming infidelities all that stuff and i so i pl- he, he sits there and i'm just listening to it and i'm just like and we listened to the whole album, 
the whole way through and we were just like this is amazing that's a testament to your brother or the experience or the music but if i had a brother that came in and did that that memory Uh uh-huh you would have just you would have punched no 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 no. that's priceless Uh i mean honestly that that is priceless to me when you have you have an experience like that where you have an album that is so you would say one of your family members or uh-huh. one of your buddies yeah. is so into. I mean, that's how I got into a lot of my shit driving around yeah. town, listening to stuff on my buddy's car stereo. But no, right? neither of us moved. We just sat there and we listened to like every song. And we like, you know, you're thinking like sometimes there's going to be like, okay, this is going to suck. But we were just like, every song is amazing. And we were just like, what the fuck is this? Dude. And we saw them. I think I, I've seen them five times. I've seen Dashboard five eight times live yeah like that's my brother-in-law's like favorite band of all time dude dashboard is is the shit i don't care it's emotional and you know you kind of want to cry when you listen to it but i don't care man don't be accused i mean it's just it's it's it, it brings out that sort of uh yeah I would say it, it's emotional, like you said. I mean, and it's those emo. shows, I those mean, it's emo shows, music, is it not? I mean, those shows, yeah. the crowd is singing more than he is. Yeah, because I, they're all. Just, and those first times that I saw him, it would just he would just be sitting in a chair, and he'd have like six guitars, and he'd play his music, and you're just like, God, this is the best. Whatever happened to them? They're still around, still cruising. Well, he's. I mean, it's it was it's him. I mean, Dashboard Vegetables, him. Uh, it was weird when he got, he got electric. Um, he he play. It's kind of weird to hear some of the songs now, because it's kind of like a lot of electric guitars. But it's pretty. It's still pretty good. My, on that same note, when you can talk about an experience where somebody came in your room and was like, "You gotta listen to this." For me, it was the Chronic Two Thousand. <laughs> really i was i was in high school senior year yeah sitting up in my buddy's bedroom we're in between soccer practice and chronic 2000 just came out we fucking blasted that shit sat in his room smoked a a joint out his window Uh at 18 years old and listened to the entire album that was when eminem came in yep and it was just it was the most epic thing at the time for me and we that was our soundtrack that whole year of our life just like the chronic 2000 chronic 2000 man mm-hmm. driving around town is chronic 2000 man. yeah i would Dri- driving around atlanta for me and my brother too it was outcast that was our dude our outcast group. was so underrated up here uh-huh i went to go i went to a concert at uh the uh amphitheater and we went to go see um outcast opened up for What's her name? It was a female. God, I can't remember her name now. But I took my girlfriend at the time to go see that show. But we skipped Outcast to go see Lauren Hill. It was Lauren really? Hill. Really? You skipped Outcast? I skipped Outcast to go see Lauren Hill. Like we showed up late because I was like Outcast. Psh. Nah, and looking dude. back, I'm like that was the biggest failure I'd had going to a show. I remember because that's on. So like I have this list of like songs I remember where I was when I heard it and the song elevators by outcast. Yeah. Um, I actually played that for my kid today. He was like, what's this song? But like, 
I was in, I was in some like, I was in the basement of some dude's house and it was, we were like waiting for church. We were having like a devotional at this guy's house. And so he, this kid had just gotten the CD and he played that song. This me and you rolling up flaming Cadillac doors. And it was like, it just like, it was so, there's something about Outcast that I loved because uh, it's, it's almost like it was just weird enough. Well, they know? were different types. They were a different sort of rap group. Yeah, you they could, were. Could, uh-huh. could say like it was, it was the first sort of the Southern uh-huh. rap before well, they were real so, shitty. So it was like you had Outcast and then you had, um, oh my God, it's good. This other band is gonna. This other rap group is gonna. You had like, you had juvenile like. It, it, no, it juvenile's not from Atlanta. Right, juvenile's not, from New Orleans. Atlanta. Yeah, you're talking about Atlanta. See, um, oh my god, it's gonna drive me crazy. I've got to Google that. Outcast is one it's, of the best hip hop groups to ever grace the earth. So the other rap group I'm talking say. about is that CeeLo was in. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I do. It, it's on the CeeLo t- came out of Atlanta too, right? Like, yeah, he did. Yeah, he was in um Atlanta was like Goody Mob. So it was Outcast and it was Goody Mob. But Outcast I loved because <laughs> I love Big Boy. He has he's there's this one line where he says he's cooler than a polar bear's toenails. And something about that, I don't care. Who else? There, there's no but better. You, you say I would put that up there with like what Biggie and Tupac did from mm-hmm. East to West Coast. I mean, Atlanta yeah. with with Outkast, they they didn't get enough. No, they didn't. They they started to, and they they did. Um, but it started in Atlanta, and then it trickled down. Then you had uh, you had the scene down in the lower South. Which we was had, like, you had the Louisiana. Um, it was juvenile. Juvenile was, um, and the the eight uh, the uh, that's where um. There's all these these people are gonna get so mad at it. Lil Wayne Lil came Wayne, from Lil Wayne and Juvenile like came up the same way. And it's that Lil what's Wayne that what's that group? And Master that P. Whole, well, I watched this movie freshman year of college. It was called Baller Blocking. Really? And it was a, a VHS of Lil. It was uh, Lil Wayne. The hot is the hot boys. It was it was the hot boys. Yeah, they were in the. It was the hot boys uh-huh. down there in Louisiana and and around. Cash New was Orleans. it? Cash money. Cash money millionaires. Was that the was that the record label? I, can't, I don't know what they were called. Because there's the Birdman. I don't know Birdman. Because you had you had but... Master P and No Limit, and then you had these other guys. Oh my God, people are gonna people are gonna they're punch gonna me. crucify us for yeah. trying to talk about this right now, but. Anyway, but that was that was what I was listening to in college. I mean, it was it yeah. was, you know, Lil Wayne and Juvenile and and that that sort of Southern Deep South scene took over in the rap because yeah, but... Atlanta was like coming up after you know you could argue Biggie and all those guys in in New York that didn't really die as much. Like I mean, you had plenty of good groups that came out of there. Like I mean, um. In the, people, in the late people, 90s. People are going to get so bad. At they're going to be like, guys, here's what you want to say. Yeah. You can't say it. But, um, but I feel Outcast, like it just trickled yeah. down to Atlanta and then it shot down into the dirty south. Yeah, but it just was like Outcast did things that, I don't know, I, I loved the weirdness. I loved the little, 
it was always just kind of this like slower vibe, this like chiller vibe. Um, there's this song that they do uh, synthesizer Dude, and George, man. George Clinton, right George now. Clinton guest stars on that one. Dude, I want to listen to that shit now. That's how good it is. I want to yeah. listen to it forever. I know you just put it on and you just cruise. I'm my brother's shitty Honda Accord, and we would just listen to outcast. It was good times. I got mad love for the outcast. Yeah. I want to talk about <laughs> how we used to listen to music. Like, it's so different now how you get music, listen to music, experience music than, like, what we had, you know? Sure. Because, like, we had the tapes, we had the CDs, and um, I miss that because, like, it was fun to get, you would get the CD or the tape and have the insert, and then sometimes the, the, like, Sometimes you get the jewel case. You remember getting the jewel case? It'd be like a different color of the mm. CD. No. Or like you would but. get, I remember getting, there was one tape I had, um, and it was like red, and I thought that was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yep, but then yep. like with the CDs, you would get like the case, and it'd be like a different color. Yep. You know? Yep. God, that was so. It's I mean, do you remember walking into like, um, I remember being, you know, nine, ten years old going into it wasn't Sam Goody, but it was similar here locally. I don't know. See, in Atlanta we had media play. We had um we did have a Sam Goody. Um Do you remember going in there and just shuffle it was like a library. Yeah, shuffling. You could just go shuffle through and it was all cassette tapes yep. mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was in there with a little buddy of mine, and like, I was, you know, what, my, what I was buying, what I bought, I remember buying. Uh-huh. I bought uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yes. And I bought Guar. Wow. At the age of like ten. Nice. And I was listening to that shit. My mom had no idea. Man. And I'm in the back of the car, the minivan, cruising to like soccer tournaments, listening to Guar, Nine Inch Nails, Guns N' Roses, Usual Illusion One. Uh huh. And um, Metallica's Black Album. Mm-hmm. And that was the anthem of like my, you know, 10, 11, 12 year age. Yeah, just. I mean, it was. Oh my God. It. Yeah. And then like you would have to rewind it to listen to the song again. I just listened to the whole album over and over. And really? Over. Yeah. And then, yeah. My first. Let's see. Like for a while, all I could, my parents would let me buy would be like. Cause they would watch what I bought and they would like approve or disapprove. Yeah. It was mostly like beach boys and shit like that. But then I remember when I, when I got, uh, I got beastie boys licensed to ill. I bought that, that CD (laughs) and I, I, that was the, so like, I remember like I got a CD boom box for my birthday which was which was a big deal back then because then you could finally play your CDs. Yep. And I got I got the Beastie I did too. Boys. I remember getting a boombox. I was like, and I had great. and I had Blues Traveler. Those were the first two CDs that I owned. So that was a, was a weird spectrum. They were letting you do that. Yeah. Weird spec. Well, they didn't they didn't list like I would play the Beastie Boys on with my headphones on, 
because and I was exposed to them on a church uh, church retreat to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. This one like youth worker, I had to drive sit in a car with him, and he played Beastie Boys, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, I remember being in the back of my bus kindergarten at Cape Henry, mm-hmm. and the, all the kids in the bus were were sitting there going, "You gotta fight." Yep. Oh, you're right. And I'm sitting here, you know, five years old, thinking that was the coolest shit. Well, that wasn't even the first Beastie Boys song no, I ever heard. No, this was like 1988, 89. The first Beastie Boys song I heard was Paul Revere. Wow. I didn't hear Fight for Your Right until like a while back or a while after. Yeah. I mean, Beastie Boys is also, they're on my top. They're like my top five. See, that's funny you put them. They're, they're such a... Beastie Boys, you can't you can't compartmentalize the Beastie Boys. No, I mean, they were yeah. they were such they were so ahead of their time coming out of uh-huh. New York in that scene, and they were they were they were they were a fucking uh, metal group or, or well, they were a punk, punk rock group. band, punk and then rock. they did this joke rap album, and, and then, then they went joke rap, and all of a sudden they friggin' took off. And then they became and the Beastie they, Boys, and they were which always nobody's ever been the Beastie Boys since. And they were le- they were one hundred percent themselves, no doubt, legitimate, and, I, and that's why those guys should be in the Rocket Hall Hall of Fame. I think they are. Are they not? They, they, they are in the Hall are. of Fame. They mm-hmm. should be. Because they are. Those guys were like the the they, they were the crossover genre that sort of brought that punk that hip hop thing. Yeah. You want to hear one of the biggest disappointments disappointments of my life? Beastie Boys went on tour with Rage Against the Machine in the early two thousands. And I had tickets to it, and Mike D broke his foot, Oof. and they had to cancel the tour. You, you see, you missed him. I missed him. I've never seen Rage. I've always wanted to see Rage. Rage is another band that I wouldn't say is underrated, but it was one of those bands that sort of embraced that transition uh-huh. from like late '90s or, or '90s over to 2000. Like, they, well, they were inspirations. Yeah, and they've always been so political. Th- that's which part of I've, their problem. I've really enjoyed, say. even to the point where they were just inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, mm-hmm. and they didn't even perform. Like Tom Morello came and accepted the award, and he, but he well, spent the like, whole. Isn't he? Is he not like the backbone of that whole band though? I don't know, man. They're all incredible musicians. Like, I always thought he was the guy that was sort of the the he was the guitarist, but. Well, he was doing things with a guitar that no one else was doing. Exactly. So. And he be kind of he was kind of like he was doing what a DJ was doing. Um, and then you had Zach De La Roca just oh my god, it's it's just, just an absolute god. insane vocalist. Do you talk about I remember the first time I heard um People of the Sun. I watched that music video and talk about i was just like what the fuck is this i don't care i'm angry i remember there were so many white suburban kids Dude. that were mad about stuff that they had no idea you want to hear a just story because I, rage against the machine I, said i'm driving around with my buddy whose parents were were politicians uh-huh. in in the early 90s we're like you know probably 10 11 12 years old driving around in this car and this my buddy's playing rage and we're yeah. sitting in the car, and his mom's driving, and the bullet in your head comes on, and we're screaming, "A bullet in your head!" Yeah, <laughs> a bullet in your head! And his mom is just beside herself, you know, like, 
and and he he's the guy that also got me into Nirvana and yeah, uh-huh. you know which we haven't even touched on and you know uh, fucking that whole that whole area that was like the purest to me it was Nirvana Pearl Jam that like sort of set the stage for what I started to really appreciate music because I came hairband before that uh-huh. as a young man listening to like Guns N' Roses and Metallica Metallica's different but you know these hair bands and then all of a sudden you get something like that well I was going to talk about this because Nirvana and Pearl Jam were bands that I liked more as I got older likewise I think that like I mean everybody liked Nirvana like Nirvana you was hear, the soundtrack of my early years like you liked them but I didn't really listen to them like most people did. I mean, I remember like when this this uh, I was sitting at a, a, another another time that I remember exactly where I was when I heard that song. I mean, you hear "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and it comes on, and you didn't hear, you've never heard anything like that before, no. and you just you just lose and you it- lose yourself in that song. But I kind of got into other stuff. And then kind of left, but then I came back to Nirvana as I got older. I still listen to Nirvana. I, their mm-hmm. their unplugged album to me is one of the best albums ever made. I remember listening to the live. I saw it live on MTV uh-huh. at yeah. my buddy's house, down off Great Neck Road. Back, you know, would have been like 10, 11, 12 years mm-hmm. old. Watched that live uh-huh. on MTV in his parents' bedroom. I remember it very, very vividly. Yeah. And that like it just sort of set this whole stage for I I can't explain what it was, but it touched me in a way where I was just and I remember where I was when I heard Kurt Cobain died. Yep. I was in mm-hmm. I was down on Norfolk Avenue. I was in the old hotline surf shop and somebody said it over the speaker like Kurt Cobain is is dead. And I was 12 years old. And I was yeah. like I was fucking upset i was in a i was in a band i was in our a band class and this kid came up and he uh he played saxophone but he didn't say anything he walks up to the board and takes a marker and puts kurt cobain put like whatever he was born to when he died and then just goes and sits back down and i was like whoa that's heavy yeah Uh uh-huh the band teacher didn't do anything about it, which was probably, which was a good thing. But yeah, that's how I, you learned that. Um, I mean, those, think about that, that, that like era mm-hmm. of music. Yeah. If you, there's a good book about him called heavier than heaven. I read that. Um, it's a good book. If you're looking for like more about him and the band and all that stuff. It was good. I'd love to dive deeper into like Nirvana and the Pearl Jam uh-huh. and like the mid early to mid ninety genre coming out of the hairband scene. Like oh, yeah. that to me was like the pinnacle of, of music at least. Soundgarden. How it affected me. Yeah, Soundgarden. There were number another mm-hmm. album that I was listening to a lot. But mm-hmm. but that's not what I'm listening to now. I'm still listening to Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And I'll still put in I mean Pearl Jam. I'll still play yeah. some Pearl Jam. So like Pearl Jam is one of those bands that like I don't know, I felt like 
and this is probably a testament to my like getting into the rap rock. I just sort of forgot about all of that and I let it go away. I was like, it's just nineties, whatever. And it was stupid of me because so Pearl jam, like two, wait, two or three years ago, we were going to the set another see here now festival and Pearl jam was playing. It was Pearl Jam was one of the headliners. Smashing Pumpkins was one of the headliners. But anyway, so Pearl Jam comes on, and I didn't know what to expect. And I remember sitting there for the whole set just being like, I have wasted hundreds of dollars on concerts, and I could have been seeing this band way earlier. Like there's an old saying, it's harder to get into than a Pearl Jam concert. <laughs> like honestly, there I, I think that um I've never seen them live, but Eddie Vedder oh, is a dude. fucking legend. Those guys, everyone in the band, everyone, every one of them was ripping it. Well, they they play they're just a special and let's just call it what it is. I think the nineties era. When you factor in 90 uh-huh. to 99, we're talking about yeah. hip hop. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, all the bands that came through all. And, and, and I, I want to get down with like what happened in hip hop in that era. Mm-hmm. 90s hip hop. Yeah. 90s to me, and maybe we're aging ourselves here, but I would uh-huh. say if you could talk about an era of music. When you had the Nirvanas, the Pearl Jams, and all the hip hop that came along with it, like there was not a better time in music ever. Yeah, it's it's you know I think every every generation says that. I want to you got to put that out there. I would say yeah, our parents would agree. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that'll say that the 80s and the 70s and all that stuff. And, I still appreciate some of that, but and we grew up in it. We did. And, and that's probably why and I would think it is it's a beautiful thing like we were hearing these for the first time in the 90s I mean we haven't even talked about Green Day you know you that know. was one of my other first CDs but, but I can't follow them anymore I, I just don't But I'm I think what was so special I think there's always whenever music changes a whole like industry and like country as like because you you think about so you have the 80s you have the hair metal and everybody was doing that and that and it was fine it's good music whatever but then the 90s music comes even nirvana soundgarden pearl jam that was the antithesis of that and it just i mean oh it it changed everything overnight but i would say like when you look at that that era of the 90s just the 90s Mm -hmm. in general and then what happened after that Mm -hmm. for rap rock whatever else i can't say maybe i'm just old i don't know but i i don't know that there's been anything that's that's come after 2000 to me that's been that like and it has to be you mean like music music wise you're right yeah so there's been there's i there's a lot of good i don't know i'm still trying to keep my finger on the pulse for Me music too. nowadays. I mean, you got Turnstile. Have you heard Turnstile? Those guys are rad. Um, there's a lot of music that I don't listen to, but uh, you, you almost have to like tap the kids to. F- I mean, the kids are listening right. to whatever's on. And oh yeah, 
there's a there's a cool band out of Australia called Parcels. You should look into them. Parcels. They're fun. Um, Do you ever get into like the uh, electronica thing? I I get into this thing called. You ever heard of synthwave? Yeah. So you know yeah. Rufus De Sol. De uh-uh. Sol. No. Never heard of them. No, I gotta I gotta hear them. Dude, you gotta check these guys. I'll check these guys. I'm on my lawn to these guys a lot. Really? Of yeah. Well, I love I I like write to synthwave. Okay. And music like that, um, it's like uh, it. It sounds like it reminds me of when I played like video games in the eighties. So, do you think that when I listen to like Rufus De Soul, which is, is out of Australia too, mm-hmm. it, it's they played off of stuff that happened in the eighties. I think that was oh, really? their influence. Mm-hmm. And like, none of my friends. I'm not gonna listen to this stuff in front of them, but like. I was a big synthesis guy. Like uh-huh. I liked the eighties synthesis, like synthesizer, synthesizers, yeah, uh-huh. like mm-hmm. that whole, you know, the cure yeah. stuff like that. Like to this day, I still have a top, top 10 cure list. Like you should check out dream car. I've never heard of them. dream car is a side project for the guys from no doubt and Davey havoc from AFI. So AFI is another mm-hmm. one that, I mean, that was like my band in the Dude, early I've 2000s. never, I've never gotten to see AFI. I saw them at the Norva. Yeah, dude, they were bad ass. Was that the, was so they played at a show? I remember uh, some good friend of mine went to see them, and they said they started playing the show and they were playing new music, and then they realized that the crowd wasn't into it, so they stopped, and then they just went right into all the songs from like Black Sails. Who AFI? Yeah. Black I saw them in 2005. Oh, this isn't the same show then. This was like within the last like eight years. Okay. See, yeah. I haven't even thought about AFI in the last uh-huh. 10 years. But yeah. AFI is like, that was one of those bands too that was like instrumental. And it uh-huh. was a little bit controversial maybe, but it, like with um, like Davey Havoc. Is he, is he gay? Is he a woman? What is he? Yeah. And like... Who, do you like them? Do you not? But dude, their their music after they got out of the '90s and their their stuff in the early 2000s to me was like some of the best stuff I've ever heard. Dude, it's rad music. It's awesome. Dude, I love AFI. AFI is the shit. Mm-hmm. I want to listen to them right now. I know. I'm trying to think. I got so many. It's funny how many notes I have about this. <laughs> you got any, notes. I'm just flying. What are your What are your guilty pleasures? Let uh, me say mine first. So my ahead. guilty pleasures, I love um, Nicki Minaj. Okay. Pink. Pink. Ooh. Pink is so like I love that her her. Oh my god, she's amazing. Uh, she maybe she's not even a guilty pleasure. No, I don't know. Pink's talented. I, love her. I mean, she's talented. Uh, Harry Styles. I like Harry Styles. Yeah, that watermelon sugar. Too. Watermelon Dude, sugar is a good one. How can you not get down to that song? I know it's great. Uh, Garth Brooks. I like Garth. Garth, although I was not a big fan of early country, and so really? my wife's a big Garth fan. But Colin Baton Rouge is a good one. Yep. Uh, there's this <laughs> there's this band called Austrian Death Machine, and so <laughs> so this band. So there is a um, there's it's this guy started this band, and <laughs> he's from I forget what other legit band he's in so he started this whole band and it's called austrian death machine because he sings like he's arnold schwarzenegger 
but all of his songs are like titles from like parts of his movies. Yeah. Like he has a song called like uh, rubber baby buggy bumpers um, from, and that's from last action hero, or he says, get to the choppa. Cause you know, predator, I think it's predator get to the choppa. And it's this like really hard, just straight up like metal. And it's just this guy singing like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's just all that, all all of the songs are from a movie that Arnold has been in. Dude, that's that's next level shit. Yeah, it is. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, I've never heard it. And, yeah. uh, you got to look up Get to the Choppa, and it's, just, it's really funny. Get, that's, that's, that's beautiful. And I would yeah. say, like, in terms of guilty pleasure, uh, a buddy of mine hold that on, I, I'm, I'm remiss to call. I want to call him right now down in Florida. Because in college we had a so, he had an Spotify pulls it up right away for me. You they got go. it. So like one of the songs. Let's hold on real quick. So like uh, let's see. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. That's one of the songs. That's from Terminator. <laughs> um, let me see. I gotta hear um, shit. Oh my god! This does, this one doesn't have get to the choppa. Hold on, it's the second. Here we go. Triple brutal. Dadgummit, I gotta figure this out. He has this, they have four albums. So Double Brutal is, uh, let's see. That's wrong. I'm, I'm fucking it up now. Here we go. Uh, get to the Choppa. I'm a cybernetic organism living tissue over endoskeleton. <laughs> it's just saying he is. It's just, that's the line from Terminator. It's, it's I'm a cyber. <laughs> Come uh, with me if you want to live. That's the name of the song. <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do from Kindergarten Cop? <laughs> like it's just, it's just all like shit like this that. This is a band that just does that? It, he does that, yeah. He's, um, he was actually in a Christian metal band. Um, the lead singer of this. I wish I knew like what his band name was, but the guy who was in it, he got in trouble for putting a hit out on his wife. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the last guilty pleasure is this band from Germany called electric cowboys, C A L L boys. And it's like techno meets heavy metal. And they do this cover of, um, every time we touch, you know, every time we touch, I get the feeling. Da, da, da. It's a, like a '90s like dance yeah, yeah, yeah. song, but it's it's fucking hilarious. Like if I'm in the gym, I'm probably listening to Electric Cowboys, and it's Damn, it's just. I need to hear some of that. We put that on the mix. Yeah, we'll put it on the mix. Put it on the mix. We used we used know. to have in college. It was called the Coming Out of the Closet mix. Uh huh. <laughs> coming out the closet coming out of the closet mix and it was my buddy um and, and the house would go insane house party at james madison uh-huh and it was um i'm trying to think who was on it, it was it was i'm blue yep that's good which mm-hmm. was just at that point in time was mm-hmm. banging which has now been remixed um God. there's nothing sacred in this world there no but there was this other band. Yeah, I'm, it's blowing my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm about to call this guy randomly and say, "What is the band that you and I agreed was a guilty pleasure back in the early 2000s?" But um, oh, it was uh, fuck. I'll remember it eventually. But I'm just thinking about you said CD mixes. I mean, that's something. 
I so mean, we st- yeah we do yeah we do playlists now but like a cd mix was a wild thing back then well you know what was the coolest thing back in college you could make it you could burn a cd and uh-huh. you could do power hour mm-hmm. so you could burn it so every minute the song changed yeah uh-huh. you, i don't know if you i never got that. into the power i never got i did a power hour power hour in my 30s we were doing power hour, yeah, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Every every minute it changed, and you'd go like, I mean, you'd be hammer time, like. Oh yeah, I beer. I did it because I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get drunk off just doing a shot of beer, a well, minute, and then you know one beer. Well, it's one one hour is seven beers. Is yeah, how we it, we determined it shook out, and you know, it's a, that's a lot to be drinking in an hour. No doubt, yeah. it was um. The dude that died, Chester, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park was my guilty pleasure. Oh yeah, I've seen them twice. Years. Twice, I've seen them live really? twice. Yeah. I still to this day like that band. Yeah, they they're, put they're out. Fine. I mean, they put out. That was my guilty pleasure back in the day. You're one step closer to the edge, and then you're gonna break. <laughs> dude, every, every, I mean, they put out some shit, and I was like, I like this, but I can't yeah. admit it. I got to see them at a festival right before. Um, it was right before they just blew the fuck up. It was called Big Day Out in Atlanta. It was this uh, 99X's Big Day Out, and it was such a fun. I saw uh, Lincoln Park played, uh, Deftones and Incubus played, uh, Green Day, Everclear, all these random ass bands, and uh, it was fun. Dude, I bet, man. I mean, Lincoln Park. Again, it was a guilty pleasure, but it was that yeah. genre that I wasn't really like, you know, trying to embrace mm-hmm. publicly at least. But I know. I mean, it's like that with, it's like that with, um, even Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, I was afraid to like Dave until, you know, after well after the fact because it was just it was a weird. There was there was a disconnect back in the day. Uh huh. Between friends. You groups. know, you know what was I don't know if you did this. Um, but uh, whenever I wanted to find new music, like I think it's 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 a lot easier to find music now because you just go on Spotify or Pandora and they'll have like, like Spotify is awesome when they do like, <clears throat> you'll pick a band like Bad Religion and you'll say like Bad Religion Radio and it's all these bands that are in that genre. Yep. But like, I remember if I wanted to find bands, I would go to like a bookstore and get alternative press. Did you ever read that magazine? No. It was like you were the, ahead of your time. It was a punk rock magazine, and in the back it would be like bands you should know. And so I'd be like writing down all of these bands. You were way ahead of your time. And I'd be looking. I just I would go on. So what I would do is I would find the bands. I would go home to my parents' computer and I would download a song from these bands. And if they were cool, I'd keep them and burn them on a CD. And if they weren't, I'd just forget about you were, them. You were ahead of your time because I was always searching for music. Yeah, dude. And mm-hmm. and I would just find it through friends. I had a couple friends that were like edgy. Yeah. And I would just go find stuff, and they'd burn stuff for me. Uh-huh. And um, I miss, I miss, I miss the search. I miss the hunt. It's yeah. it's easy now because you can so easy now. You, I mean, that's how I found most of the music I listen to nowadays. You know, it's just like Google search and do like the radio of the band you want. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. Lucero, I started listening to them again after like 12 years now. Yeah. I hadn't listened to them since I saw them actually at Jewish mother, which may have been one of the better concerts I've ever been to. 
Jumon before it went down. On, oh yeah, uh, the one that was at the oceanfront. The old old one. Lucero played there back in 2010, and that that shit just ripped, dude. For me, I'm best. So, um, dude, you know it's been it's been just under two hours. Nobody's listening to this that long. No, there. I think we should we should here's so top ten top ten bands. Ten? Or top five. If you have five, whatever. Like we if you were through, if I you mean, were to land, is there anyone that we didn't talk about? There's probably none that we didn't talk about, man. I would say that mm-hmm. um again, like if I were to say what music am I gonna ask my sons to listen to and uh-huh. enjoy? Yeah. It's probably gonna be social distortion. Uh-huh. Bad religion, um, some of that old like core early '80s punk, really that came up, mm-hmm. and then I would say like your hip hop, mm-hmm. like your Outkasts, um, your your Dre. I love LA '90s rap, and more so probably than New York '90s rap, like Biggie and the Crew. Oh, see. I like Tribe Called Quest. Dude, Tribe, I was going to say, Tribe's one of my favorites. What about Farside? Do you ever like Farside? Yeah. Another good one. Diggable Planets. You yeah, Diggable Planets. Diggable uh-huh. Planets. Um, I got a good story about them. Not that I saw them, but I just think it, it's more compartmentalized in that 90s era, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. And, then, mm-hmm. and then Hot Water, obviously, is like yeah. one of my faves that I will always gravitate towards mm-hmm. um and now that's that's what four or five but yeah but then i've gotten into the country thing over the last like 10 years and the country pop thing too like to a certain element mm-hmm. i've i've gravitated towards so I, you know i don't know man but nirvana's probably up there too if you say all time yeah, I have my tops, but it, I've definitely changed. My top, I got Dave Matthews Band, Incubus, Metallica. They're a band that I've never seen live that wish I could. Flog and Molly. I got that really? that Oh yeah. I love that. I love that Irish uh music. I mean, a lot of <laughs> It's it's an easy genre of music to make fun of, like cuz every year in March it's all over the place, it's but everywhere. But yeah, like Flog and Molly, Dropkick Murphys, that kind of stuff. Beastie Boys, Sublime. Frank Turner's another artist who um, he kind of is like my Dylan, like with what he sings about and how he sings. Um, we didn't talk about this, but the Avett Brothers. Avett Brothers. I've seen They're them a couple. One. I've seen them a couple times. Outcast, Nirvana. I put honorable mentions. Gaslight Anthem. Fair. That's how I met. That's how my wife and I connected when I first met her. So tell me, let, let's just talk about the music that makes you think about your your wife. Oh, like, Gaslight Anthem. Gaslight. Um, when I first when I first met her, we finished. So we were we were. I was like just. I was shooting the shit with her at because she came to the coffee shop I worked at, and I was like hitting on her trying to you know get her number. <clears throat> and I mentioned the Gaslight Anthem. She's like, oh, I love Gaslight Anthem. She was like, they sound like Bruce Springsteen. And then we both said if he was in a punk band. And we like were like, what? 
the fuck? We should get married and have a baby. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and so, because that's how I, I was. I was like, if if Bruce Springsteen was punk rock, he would. If that's a gaslight anthem. And so, um, I had randomly bought tickets to their show like a week before I met her. And so I was like, well, um, you want to go to the show with me? You know, I was like, I should probably take you out before then, see if we like each other, and then we'll go to the show or something like that. But yeah, it was a gaslight anthem. I walked out gaslight. to my wedding to a gaslight anthem song, Miles Davis and the Cool. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. That's but for her like she's she likes metal bluegrass and I think I do we didn't talk much about bluegrass, but that's a that's a genre of music that I love. Um and it's it that's I've loved more as I've gotten older. Yes. It's it's sort it's something uh-huh. you kind of grow into. Yeah. It's also mm-hmm. There's so much sort of spillover from mm-hmm. what we're talking about genre-wise yeah. to that. I mean, I've listened to some that. bluegrass. It sounds like it's punk rock, and then some that you know you get real like Appalachian. But uh, but yeah, that 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 kind of and stoner metal <laughs> makes me think of my wife. I mean, that's that's her you know her thing. That's that's a good thing because my wife and I we have sort of this. She's never been into punk. She's never known punk. Mm-hmm. Like her brother does. I relate to him with that. But she's been a country girl. Yeah. And also like Odessa. Uh huh. For example, like you know Odessa. I've heard of it. I mean, I listened to it because of the playlist. I mean, I call it sexy music. Uh-huh. So like when I met her, we're in a club, and this music just makes you want to freaking do all the bad things. <laughs> to your girl like it's just it came on i was like i never heard this shit she, she made me an album of like odessa like music yeah uh-huh. and i was like damn i thought you're a country girl but you're a freaking clubby girl too so like that clubby type of yeah stuff too you know so that's that's been special i guess I you would say to me in the last 10 years or so but mm-hmm. you know it's there's so much good music out there man i think you just have to like know. you know your roots and i think to, to corner yourself into not into specifics yeah you're doing yourself a disservice there's right? too much good stuff out there to to limit yourself I mean I you know that's what my dad taught me he he exposed me to so much good stuff and I think that's kind of the reason why I've, I've branched out as much as I have um, yeah man there's a lot of good stuff out there what was your dad's number one band that you listened to <laughs> I don't want to Peter, Paul, and Mary. Well, I mean, that's he's a product of his time. He loved, but my dad was also, it was also that in like Broadway. I was the only middle school kid who like watched The Sound of Music and My Fair Lady and all that, all that stuff. But I think that's what, that's what got me to like be able to like spread out as much because you like, you can understand the musicality of things. Um, like, uh, I asked that question because my I listen to the song Bruce Hornsby's Mandolin Rain mm-hmm. comes on every now and again, and that's what I remember driving yeah. around my dad, man. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, my, my dad also got really into bluegrass as he got older, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like blue, bluegrass as well. I mean, my dad loved this band called Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder. Yeah, heard of them. Oh my God. It's, it's real like Appalachian, like 
stuff, but he would just lose his mind listening to that stuff. So don't I, I think that I know we're wrapping it up, but like your your dad, us as dads, uh-huh. you having the podcast is is the dad podcast. You can shape. I wouldn't say shape, but like the stuff uh-huh. that you're listening to with your kids, like they're gonna remember that. You know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. It's fun to think about that. I mean, music music to me is an outlet. I mean, that's something. I think that's why I'm doing it in the, the space of this podcast because it's an outlet for all sorts of things for me. It's a way that I find balance. It's a way that I kind of de-stress. It's a way that I, like, can, can um, I don't know, heal things, you know? I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, music is... is you and I have, have, you know, found a, an even, you know, middle ground with mm-hmm. music and just talking about all the stuff that I, I feel like everybody else around us out there that we run into friends and family and everything has this music acumen mm-hmm. that they know all these bands we're talking yeah. about. And maybe that's not true. I don't know. I've never had the conversation <laughs> that we're having, but. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's as. I don't know many people that listen to as much as I do or know it as much as I do. I mean, well, I've got an encyclopedia in my brain. You I, know, I see you as a, as a music guy. Like I, mm-hmm. when we first met, I was like, this guy knows music. And we started talking about common bands and stuff. And like, I'm yeah. glad we got mm-hmm. a chance to do the, the cast tonight. I know. We kind of walked all over and we, we didn't cover a lot of stuff, even, you know, that, that, it's, I think that you and I have always listened to. But. Yeah, I think that, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't know if many people, I don't know. I guess what I, the reason I love music as much as I do is because I saw my dad loved music. And it's something about when you love something that much, it kind of gives your life, it gives to your life a lot. You know what I mean? And it it like can fill it. And I saw that with my dad. And so like I I do that with music too. And I do that with other things. And I hope that like my kid will see this, my reaction to my love. He's seen me cry listening to music. And he says, Daddy, why are you crying? And I was like, because it's it's, this song is crazy beautiful. It was probably Follow You to Virgie by by Tyler Childers. It's a great one. Where he's like having to go home because this woman, this uh, lady that was influential in his life dies. You know? Well, I think so. you can be... I'm thinking about like what my father did. He was never a big music guy, but I do remember all the things that we were listening to on the radio yeah. at the time. Uh-huh. And, and that as a father, uh-huh. my kids want to hear stuff when I yeah. pick them up from school. And so I'll I'll play Social D, yeah. You know I'll play a little bit of rap. You know it's just like mm-hmm. getting them exposed to things that uh, music is like it's the connector, man. Yeah. It, it it drives you back to that point in time, and also mm-hmm. with your marriage, your wife, all these things. Like it, it just it's a connector, mm-hmm. man. And and people that don't have that, I don't know. There's yeah. some of them out there, but at the end of the day, everybody does. I think, and the fact that we can talk about it and yeah. like verse like i love that it's something that's so simple like it's only like nine notes that's it man there's not that's that it. many it's, chords it's, and notes it's played in most common songs a it's a b c d e f g you got g's yeah and then you have 
infinite amount of variations, minors, majors. It's the simplest thing, but it's damn near mm-hmm. to pick it up later in life. It's tough. To it's like, the sim- yeah, it's the simplest thing and the hardest thing to do at the same time. Because you gotta have uh-huh. you gotta have a certain skill of rhythm. Rhythm I've, is yeah. what betrays me. I've I've been in thousands of spiritual experiences listening to music. I think it's worth it. And um, it's worth a two-hour-long conversation about music. Hey, man, we'll talk more about it later. I know. And also, we, we didn't even talk about, as we wrap this up, that we, we're working on a playlist, the music that made us. It's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm, link, I'm going to link it into the show notes for this. And um, if you want to like peek into our brains... <laughs> I'm gonna st- I'm gonna start plugging stuff in there. You're gonna be like, "What the fuck is this?" I know it's it's but kind that's of what like, it's about, man. Yeah, it's I mean, a living like, document. Share, yeah, share these these songs yeah, that mean something to you, right? And that yeah. you know inevitably you know can make an impact on. Maybe it'll mean something to you too out there. No doubt, man. Well, yeah, hey, if you if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. This was fun, man. I had such a blast doing it. Roy, I, I appreciate it. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, and, we uh, have. Thank you for bringing me in here today. Yeah, and man. There's there's way more uh, we can talk about. Dude, we could we could have gone for two more hours. Maybe we'll we'll have a part two. We didn't cover any 70s or, nope. or 60s, but no, yeah. we didn't. <laughs> All well, good. Well, appreciate you. you having me, Roy. Though. Yeah, dude. Anytime. Thank you guys for listening. All your support. Remember, I'm just a channel. I'm not the source. Take it easy.